It's good to be with you this morning. Certainly grateful for the presence of each one. Glad that you were able to be here and that you chose to be here and appreciate your, your contribution to the assembly this morning. I'm grateful for the time that we've had together, the prayers uh, that we've lifted up together, and the, the songs that we've lifted up together. And uh, It's been encouraging to me, and I hope that the study from God's Word this morning will be an encouragement to you. I hope that you'll be able to take and find some practical application of God's Word in your life as we spend time in His Word this morning. I titled the study this morning, Endure Hardship, a statement we find in God's Word. And I want us to think about... Uh, that instruction that we find in God's Word. I want us to think about what our expectations are in this life, and I want us to, to think about the importance of uh, this endurance and uh, the extent to which we carry that out. Uh, the thoughts this morning originate from what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. In Matthew 7, beginning verse number 24, as Jesus wraps up what we call that Sermon on the Mount, he says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And that rain descended the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about and points that we could make out of, out of those couple of sentences. We could contrast the, the wise to the foolish. We could, we could talk about um, many, many points that Jesus made in there, but <clears throat> essentially, as he wraps that, that teaching up, one of the things that I believe he's teaching us is the reality and the expectation uh, of hardship and the inevitability of hardship coming. Because whatever the case is, if this individual is building a house, I want you to think about that this morning as your life's work, your life's pursuit. What you spend your time doing while you're on this earth, you're building a house, if you will. And that house is going to stand, it's going to last, it's going to amount to something in the end, it's going to matter, or it's going to be folly. It's going to be time spent in vain that crumbles down into nothing and, and, and at great, great cost. That's why it says great was its fall, the destruction of that, that house. And so your life's work this morning. When I talk about enduring hardship, expect these difficulties in life to come. Expect the storms to come. Expect the winds to blow and the, the floods to rise and have that expectation. So when I come out and, and say that and start off that way, it sounds pessimistic. It sounds negative to me. And, and those of you who know me the best have known me a long time, that's, that's probably a tendency, that's a challenge that I have uh, maybe of being optimistic. I want you to know this morning that I am optimistic because of the faith. I am optimistic because of Jesus Christ. And this passage is a passage of optimism. He says, if you hear my sayings and do them, your house will stand. You will be able to endure. You won't fall. You won't crumble during the hardships. But that was a, a conditional statement. 
whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Because there's that other option of hearing the things that Jesus has to tell us and not doing them. And that will lead to ruin. That will lead us to ruin. This morning I want you to think about different types of hardships. And I want you to think about whatever hardships that you may be facing right now at this point in your life. I believe the scripture presents to us this man named Job. I hope you're familiar with uh, Job and the, the, the teachings, the account of Job that we have recorded for us in God's word. That God has given us for this reason that we find in James chapter 5 and verse number 11. He says, indeed we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so God has set forth Job for us, and he's set him forth as this example of perseverance, of endurance, of pushing through these hardships. And think about the kind of hardships that, that Job endured. He endured great loss. And a lot of times the hardships that we go through in this life, they center around loss. And that loss began with what we would call his possessions. He began to lose those things of value to him. His livestock was, was a source of great value to him. And is no doubt his bottom line, his worth in this world, if you will. And he began to lose those and the servants that, that tended those. And so he began to incur great loss that just stacked up, stacked up and stacked up and ended up being what we would call total. But then that extended and it went on to his family. And he began physically to experience the loss of his family. And what a loss that we would call near, near total, his children, his descendants. And that may be some of the hardships that you're going through right now in life when we lose people that we love. That can be very difficult. And then after those losses that he incurred, he began to suffer the loss of his health. And he began to battle disease and illness and, and all of the things that, that come along with that. And then uh, we get into what I, I've labeled the mental uh, battle, the mental hardship that no doubt went on during this time. As you see Job struggling to understand, as you see those of his friends and his, uh, those that he had confidence in and, and, they, and men that were trying to help him, and they wrestled to understand and to make sense, not being able to see the entirety of the picture. They were trying to make sense out of it from their end, from what they could see. And there was this spiritual battle going on. And so this morning, when you think about the hardships that you might be enduring, when we think about loss, sometimes that loss is spiritual sometimes we lose family in a spiritual sense we, lo we lose brothers and sisters if you recall that the passage of the prodigal son the lost son the father said to that older brother he says your brother was lost and now he's found he was dead and now he's alive again because there's a state of spiritual death there's a state of separation from god that when our brothers and sisters when we see that when we experience that that's hard to endure. It's hard to watch people that we love turn away from Christ and go back to the world. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. We see the struggle of bad information. The, these individuals that were, they were trying to help Job. They were trying to get him on the right track. They said some things that are encouraging. They talked about the influence that he had and how that he'd been an example to others. But 
in a lot of ways, they, they gave him some bad information, some bad counsel. I don't, know, I don't know that that was their intention, but they did. We see the weakness in the flesh and the lack of faith of his wife, where his, even his own wife says, why, do you, why don't you just curse God and die? But that struggle, that mental struggle that was there is no doubt made worse with that kind of counsel, with that, with that kind of advice, if you will, coming from, from someone that you love. And the people that we love don't always give us good godly advice. And so this morning, when we talk about enduring hardship, I, I want you to understand and take this message this morning as an encouragement to stay the course, an encouragement to hear the words of Jesus Christ and to do them, even if that's against the advice of your family, even if you're getting bad counsel, even if you're struggling to understand how that could work out. Abraham, when he was called to go out, he went out not knowing where he went. He didn't have a complete understanding, but he had faith. He had confidence. He trusted God, and he went out to follow Christ, to follow his teachings, to do his will, to endure whatever hardship that you might be going through in this life. We see a letter from a prisoner to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Apostle Paul is a prisoner at this point in time. He's communicating to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. And a few verses later in verse number 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And so, Paul encourages Timothy. And he tells him, don't be afraid. And he says, don't be afraid of me, the Lord's prisoner. I'm sorry, don't be ashamed of me, Lord's prisoner. And I think about what he means when he talks about being ashamed there. And I think it might be a little different than the sense that we might think of being ashamed in. But whatever he meant by not being ashamed, I think it's contrasted to what he says, but share with me in the sufferings. He says, don't be ashamed, but share with me in the sufferings. And so that was the contrast to being ashamed. And so I think what, however we look at that idea of, of Timothy being ashamed and Paul encouraging him not to do that, the idea would be to shy away from those sufferings. <coughs> Pardon me. To, through fear, through the spirit of fear, to say, hey, I'm going to avoid a situation where I might suffer. I'm going to avoid a situation where I might hurt. And Paul's telling him, that God hasn't given us that spirit of fear, don't be ashamed, but rather be a partaker of those sufferings. I think about some telephone calls that I've had with, with fellow laborers in the kingdom and maybe some hardships and difficulties that they were going through. And we encourage each other with these words and talk about being a partaker of the sufferings. Now I think about this in a little bit different light in the next few verses. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 1, he says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. 
And the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I think about Paul telling Timothy to not be afraid and to go share in the sufferings of the gospel. And I think about a mentor in the faith. One evangelist training another evangelist and sending him out and saying, hey, this is going to be hard at times. This is going to be difficult at times. But that's the nature of this work. And you've got to have confidence in Christ. You need to be strong in His grace. And you need to go out and do this work. And then I think about it from this standpoint of a father talking to his son. And that's how Paul's viewing Timothy here, isn't it? As a son in the faith. And I think about what I tell my sons. And what would I tell my sons? And what do I tell my sons? And I think, much like Job's family at times, I've failed them, I've given them bad counsel because I've done things, I've said things that would sound more like this, not verbatim. I didn't intend to say these things, but I believe it's what I conveyed was keep your head down. Watch out, there's a fight out there, don't get hurt. Protect yourself, look out for yourself. I don't want you to get injured. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to suffer. Like I've seen some of my friends suffer. Like we've seen some of our brethren in the Scriptures suffer. But as a father to a son in the faith, that's not what Paul tells Timothy here. It's not what he tells him. He says, there's a fight out there, and you're going to get hurt, and people are going to get hurt in it. Now go get in the fight. Go get in the fight. And so that's what I want to tell my sons. That's what I want to tell my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not talking about being foolish, but I'm talking about a fight that's out there. And there's going to be hardship. There's going to be pain. But Paul doesn't tell Timothy, hey, look out for number one. Protect yourself. He says, go out and endure the pain. Get in the fight for Jesus Christ. And so that's the encouragement that I want to give you this morning. Whatever the hardship may be, I don't claim to have a full understanding of it, but we know we have this assurance from God. If you go down another chapter in, in verse number 10, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There will be hardship in following Jesus. And Paul talks about many of them, and he says, I've endured these. And he gives credit, gives glory to God. He says, Christ has brought me through them. And that's why when he instructed Timothy, he said, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. But he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's going to be hardships. And so he tells this young evangelist that he had trained. He tells this son that he had in the faith, go out and get into the war. Get into the battle. And so this morning, I want to talk about reasons that we have to endure hardship. 
And I want to talk about blessings of hardship and I, in hopes that they will motivate us, that they will encourage us, and that we will be resolved and that we will make up our mind perhaps or hopefully before we're in the thick of that, before we're in the heat of that battle so that our mind and our hearts are set. First, this, this morning, hardship produces maturity. This is a concept that we see taught in the Scripture over and over again. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, you've been grieved by various trials. You've had these hardships, difficulties. King James says that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes. Here he says the genuine, the New King James says the genuineness of your faith. So that trial, the idea there is, is, it's not the hardship that's of great value. It's the endurance of the hardship that's of great value. That's what's more precious than gold. It's to trust in God, to walk by faith, and to go through that. And that's where he gets this word genuineness. It's the idea of passing the test. Not just the test itself, passing the test having the stamp, having the seal. In 2 Timothy 2, 19, he said, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Having this seal, the stamp of genuineness. Think about the stamp that they might have tested an old uh, firearm or something with, that they, some blacksmith, some manufacturer put together this barrel, and they overloaded it uh, past what would be its normal capacity, and they would fire that, and if it passed that test, if it didn't break, if it didn't crack, then it would get stamped with a seal. Having this seal, the Lord knows those that are His. Trust in God. Do His will. Go through that hardship, knowing that that trial produces maturity, that it's bringing about a refining that it's making you a better person. In James chapter 1, verse number 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so we have instruction to endure these hardships, and then we have an even higher standard. So if we thought we were doing well and say, Hey, I'm, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, enduring and persevering through hardship, have you attained to this level where you can be joyful and count it a joy as you face these hardships? Because that's a tall order, isn't it? to be joyful while we're going through these hardships, to count it joy, to look at hardships as an opportunity for growth, knowing that this test will produce patience and that patience is very valuable. The scripture says, in our patience, we possess our souls. And so facing hardship with an understanding that this is an opportunity for me to grow spiritually if I will trust Christ, if I will trust God, if I'll walk by faith. That the carnal mindset 
gets in our way so many times. In Romans, the scripture says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we're at constant battle with the flesh and thinking in a temporary physical sense. Consider this passage in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 21. The Bible says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And that must have been really painful for Peter to hear. He's trying to be a good friend to Jesus. He was trying to protect Jesus. He was saying, Lord, I refuse, I reject this. I will not let these things happen to you. And here's the response of Jesus. You need to get behind me, Satan. Wow. What was the problem? He was thinking in a physical sense. Purely physical. It's hard not to do that. It's hard not to get our minds stuck in the rut of this world and the temporary and the physical. In Proverbs 22, verse number 3, and again in Proverbs 27, verse number 12, the scripture says, A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. And I've taught this passage to my children. And I've said, the scripture teaches us that wisdom looks ahead. And it sees this dangerous situation, this hard situation. And it finds another way around. You don't just walk right into the middle of it. And there's truth to that. That's a proverb. But notice what the proverb says. The proverb isn't necessarily about hardship. It says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. And so, perhaps I was misteaching that. Perhaps I wasn't making the proper distinction in that. We need to look ahead and see a, a no-win spiritually situation. We need to look ahead and say, there's only evil there. Don't go there. All you can do is lose there. We need to do that. But sometimes there's hardship right in front of us. And that's what the Lord said to do. And it's hard. And it's not going to be easy. And it's going to hurt. And we need to do it. And that's what Jesus was saying, isn't it? I've come here and I've got to go. And I've got to get mocked and humiliated and beaten and nailed to a cross. And there was no way around that. And so he tells Peter, stop thinking about just the physical. Stop thinking about what's just in this life. There's hardship that's going to be endured, and I'm going to endure it. Number two, your endurance will strengthen others. In Philippians 1 and verse number 4, he says, Always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. And I put that verse in there to give some context to what we pick up in verse number 12 as we get first Philippians, excuse me, chapter 1, verse number 12. Notice the context. The Apostle Paul's writing to the Philippians. He's praying for them. He's making requests for them with joy. 
In verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so Paul had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He'd suffered hardship. Things were getting bad for him. And we might think of that in in present-day terms, if you will. We think if someone went on a work to spread the word, and they were perhaps in a foreign country, and we got word that they had been put in prison for preaching the gospel, we would think this is all bad news. This is bad, right? Maybe we should have been a little more careful. Maybe we shouldn't have gotten into that situation. Maybe we should have avoided this hardship altogether. But what does Paul say about this? He says, these things have turned out for good, for the furtherance of the gospel. He talks about the palace guard. That they learned something about this. So, an evangelistic opportunity. But then notice the effect that it had on discipleship, on the followers of Christ. He said, many of the brethren, or most of the brethren, I'm sorry, most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains that other Christians have seen what I'm going through and it has helped them and it has propelled them and it has equipped them and given them confidence. And so I want you to know this morning when you're going through hardship and you stay the course and you endure that that matters. It matters to you very much, absolutely. But it matters to other people and you're probably not thinking about it at all. It's probably hard for you to believe how much it matters. You'd probably be surprised who's looking to you and seeing how you're handling the situation, how you're handling the difficulty. But somebody is. Because we're connected. Because what you do matters. And it has an influence and an impact on others. And if you endure the hardship, that has a trickle-down effect. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. And so we're supposed to learn from these hardships. We're supposed to walk through these hardships in faith and confidence toward God and then use the blessings that come from that to help other people have the same confidence, the same trust in God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation. If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings. It's effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And so their endurance had an effect. It had an impact on others. And your endurance has an effect, and it has an impact on others. And I want us to understand that if that is true, and it is because God says it's true and it's in his word, then the flip side of that coin is true as well. That if we get weary and we faint and we give up and we falter, that has an impact and an influence as well.
And so it matters. And I want us to be mindful of that when we're going through hardship. And I want us to understand that our endurance of hardship doesn't just send a message to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that it sends a message to this world that we live in. The darker and darker that it may be or get or seem to be getting or whatever the case might be there, that our endurance of hardship sends a message to the world. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 13, it says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. And so notice what he talks about, about not being afraid. Because the fear is what's going to cause us to be ashamed, if you will, the language that Paul used to Timothy. The fear is what's going to keep us from getting in the fight. The fear is what's going to send a message to the world and say, hey, they're afraid. They're not going to do that. But think about the statement that fearless people have. You think about the statement that people make when they don't have the fear of trading their life for a cause. You know what they, you know what they call that a lot of times? We call people terrorists a lot of times. That will trade their life to make some statement, to make some cause. And a lot of times they'll do that in a violent way, and that's, that's certainly never taught in the Scripture, that kind of action for us. But we are taught to make a statement by being without fear and not being afraid to trade our lives for the cause of Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, and verse number 28, Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of men, Jesus said. And so often we're afraid. In Philippians 2, 17, Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. That seems a little bit morbid to think about and to make that statement if you just think about it in a carnal sense. If you're only thinking worldly, when the Apostle Paul says, you know what, I'll be happy to die. If I get to die preaching the gospel to you, I'm happy about that. And you'll rejoice too. But that's what he's saying. When he's saying being poured out as a drink offering, isn't that what he's saying? If I die, if I spend what's left of, of my life, if the house that I'm building that I'm building upon the rock. If the last brick that I lay is teaching you the gospel, is being a servant to you in the faith, and I die because of that, then I'm happy and you're happy. And that takes a spiritual mindset, doesn't it? And that's what we see taught in the Scripture. And that makes a statement to the world. In Hebrews 11, verse number 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. And you can make a statement that will live longer than you will. And Abel did that through faith. And you and I can do that through faith. We can make a statement to the world that will live longer than us. 
that our testimony can be they trusted Christ. They lived for Christ. Fourth, this morning Christ was sent to suffer. We should think about that because we're called to be conformed to his image. The disciple is supposed to be like the master. We know we're not going to be perfect. We know we can't obtain the sinless perfection that Christ obtained. But we're supposed to follow in his footsteps. He left us an example. We're taught to be holy because he's holy. And we're supposed to be like him. And before he ever came to this world, suffering was his destiny. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, the gospel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now listen carefully to what he says in verse number 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, we're to show Christ with our physical body. In our mortal flesh. He says that the life of Jesus may be manifested. And so they went about, he said, always carrying about in the body. In Colossians 1, and verse number 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. What does that mean to fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? When we think about the suffering of Christ, when we think about what Jesus did when he came to this earth, when he endured all of the things that he endured, the contradiction of sinners against himself, the scripture says. As he hung on the cross, as his own creation railed on him and blasphemed him, mocked him and made fun of him, you saved others, you can't save yourself. All of the things that he endured, all the physical, the emotional the spiritual, everything that he endured. Listen to what Paul says. Fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. I want us to notice something from that. Acts chapter 22, verse number 7. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. As the Apostle Paul went about persecuting the church, as he stood there and held the garments of those who stoned Stephen to death for preaching the gospel, as he consented to that death, Jesus said, you are persecuting me. You are persecuting me. As he persecuted the church, Jesus took it personally. In Hebrews 13 and verse number 5, let your conduct... Be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we're going through hardship, when we're enduring hardship, when we're suffering, when it's really, really, really hard, and we feel like nobody understands, there's Jesus. He's with us. He understands. He hasn't left. And he's taking that persecution that you're facing, he's taking it personally. 
And that encourages me. That strengthens me. Even if I feel like I have no other friend, which I know isn't true, but I know Satan wants me to feel like that sometimes. When I feel like there's nobody else, don't ever forget that Jesus is there and he takes the persecution of his church, the persecution of his people personally. And as Saul persecuted the church, Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Finally, this morning, the reasons to endure is it is, I want to emphasize that part there, it is worth it right now, and it will be worth it in the future. In 2 Timothy 2, verse number 11, he says, This is a faithful saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And I don't know how, any more, how more simply it could be put than that. Have you died with Christ? Have you died to sin? Have you put on Christ in baptism? Risen to walk in newness of life? If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for my children. That's what I want for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we should want. In Psalms 126 and verse number 5, he says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves in with him. Keep going out. Stay the course. Keep following Jesus. Keep planting and watering. Keep teaching your children God's word. Keep teaching your grandchildren God's word. Keep teaching your neighbors God's word. Keep teaching your friends God's word. Keep being an example wherever you're at, at school, at work. Keep trusting in God. Endure the hardship. Endure the tears. Dry your eyes. It may not be easy, but it will be worth it. He says, doubtless, Without a doubt, he'll come again with joy, bringing his sheaves in with him. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16, therefore we do not lose heart, because that's the other end of the spectrum. We're going to endure, or we're going to lose heart. And he says we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And so if the hardship is health, struggles, health battles, disease, and affliction in the flesh, even if the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And the inward man is the important man. That's what matters. That's where our mind needs to be. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen. And that's how we mess up so often. Like Peter, we look at the things that are seen. We look at the physical, we get our focus there, and we say, far be it from you, Lord, far be it from me. And we're not being spiritually minded. We're not putting our priorities in the right place. He says, all the things which are not seen are temporary. Excuse me, I'm going to start over. Verse number 18. Uh, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's what gives them their value, is their endurance through time. The spiritual things or what matter, that's where our mind needs to be, and that's why we need to endure hardship, because it produces maturity. 
Because it refines us and it makes us better. Because it matters to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we endure, it strengthens others. And your influence and your example matters because we can send a statement to the world that says we're not afraid, that we're not going to go quietly into the night, that we're not going to be silenced about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about the love of God and the salvation that's only in Jesus Christ, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him, and we'll not be quiet about that. And if that lands us in prison, so be it. Perhaps that'll be for the furtherance of the gospel. Will we be able to do that without fear? Will we be able to make the kind of statement that our brothers and sisters in the faith in that first century made with theirs? Will we be like Christ? Will we follow in his footsteps because he was destined to suffer and he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him? Will we lay hold on eternal life? Lessons yours this morning. We never like to close a service without offering an invitation. The invitation is for you uh, to accept the Lord's invitation to come to Him. To accept the Lord, to put the Lord on in baptism, to obey the gospel, we say, being buried with Christ in baptism, to rise and walk in newness of life with Him. And if you haven't made that decision, you haven't built your foundation on the rock. And the efforts of your life and the pursuit of your life outside of Christ and without Christ will be folly, and it'll be ruin, and it'll be at great, great loss, great expense. But if you've done that, and you've put on Christ, have you turned aside to the right or left? Have you become discouraged? Have you gotten weary? Don't allow that to happen. We're taught in the Scripture to turn our attention to Christ, lest we become weary and faint in our minds. And so if you're here this morning and you have a spiritual need, let us know how we can serve you by having a seat on one of these front pews while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected from you.